Good morning. Good morning. I'm the shorter version of Brian today. <laughs> uh, Brian is uh, giving me a chance to uh, introduce the new series that we are starting for the next six weeks. And so here it is. Um, who has habits that they wish they didn't have? <laughs> who wants to share the habits they wish they didn't have? Um, we have habits. We have developed ourselves to create habits, some good, some bad, some in between, some to help us through the process of life, some to get us through the day, some to just enjoy. But we create habits. They say that it takes 28 days to create a new habit in your life. It takes a lifetime to get rid of it if you don't want it. You've got to realize there are habits that we have formed from a young age to now that we wish we didn't have and we wish we did better. Today we're going to introduce the topic of six habits of highly godly people. We're going to look this through through the eyes of the prophet Nehemiah. These are a look at classic spiritual practices and their application to our ultra-busy contemporary lives. Who is busy these days? We are. Some days you're just wondering how much more you can stuff into that day. You get up at 4 in the morning, get ready, do a quiet time, rush off to work, be at work at 6 at your desk, work until 6 that night, rush home, do what you need to do, get to bed hopefully before midnight to start that all over the next morning. Um, we realize that our days are filled and it's easy to overlook or um, change our habits. One of the things that is important to realize is that spiritual classic disciplines have been with us since the start. Over the past 2,000 years, these disciplines have help Christians, us, grow in understanding and knowledge and wisdom in following Christ as our Lord and Savior. There are many disciplines that we can use in our lives, but we'll only focus on a couple. In fact, there will be six of them. Uh, this week we're talking about prayer, serving, scripture, worshiping, fasting, and giving are the others that we will be looking at throughout the rest of the week or weeks. So, when we realize, when we start with the concept of spiritual disciplines, we want to make sure we're all on the same page. So, we will start with the basic question, what is a spiritual discipline? Hence, here's the answer to that. The spiritual disciplines are those practices found in Scripture that promote spiritual growth among believers and the gospel of Jesus Christ. There are habits of devotion, habits of experiential Christianity that has been practiced by God's people since biblical time. Now, if we were to have a pop quiz and ask you to list all 29 of them, you'll probably stop about 12 and say, I can't think of any more. I'm pretty much the same way. I can think of the easy ones, but there are many more disciplines. So. We're only going to focus on six. So, the question is, what are some characteristics of a spiritual discipline? And here's a few of them. First, the Bible describes 
personal and interpersonal spiritual disciplines. These are those spiritual disciplines that we practice alone and those that we practice with others. For example, when we pray, we pray alone. We pray at home, we pray in the car, we pray in the shower, we pray sitting in a chair. We pray constantly alone. On Sunday night at 6 o'clock, we have a group time of prayer. We encourage you to come and be a part of that. You pray with others. So not only do you pray by yourself, but you pray with others. In Sunday school, you pray with others. In gatherings, you pray with others. So it is a personal, spiritual discipline, but it's also used in the church. When we practice both, because Jesus practiced both, we can give examples from scriptures of that. But because biblical, because the Bible prescribes both of these to us, we should not dismiss one for the sake of the other. We should not not pray in public or together, but only pray at home. Uh, some Christians have said that, well, I always pray at home. I don't go outside and pray with anybody. You're missing out on something. You're missing out on a habit of a spiritual discipline that will help you understand so much more of Christ and being a follower. Second discipline characteristic is their activities. They are not attitudes. We talk many times, confuse the spirit-filled uh, fruits of the spirit with actions. No, they're attitudes. The actions are praying. The actions of scripture reading. Their actions of serving. Their action of giving. These are things that you do not think about. Yeah, you can think about prayer, but you better be praying because God's asking you to be praying with him. So when you read the Bible, you're doing something. You meditate on scripture. You're doing something. You pray, you fast, you worship, you serve your Lord, and so forth. To that is the discipline you need is the power of the Holy Spirit rightly motivating you. You are to discipline yourselves for the purpose of godliness. That's the end result. Godliness. The practical ways of doing that. Third, characteristic is spiritual disciplines. Is that what we are talking about? Our practices taught and modeled in the Bible. What we're going to talk about is what's in the scripture. It's easy for some people to say, well, the reason I practice this discipline is because it's based upon the scripture. We see examples of that. Um, somebody might say, well, gardening is a spiritual discipline for me. Uh, gardening really works well, or is it, or exercise. It's one of my spiritual disciplines, or a hobby, or a pleasurable habit that you could call a spiritual discipline. That I'll say ain't wrong. Next guess. Because one of the problems is that when we have the mindset that anything can be a spiritual discipline that's not based in scripture, it leads us astray. It leads away from Christ. Our whole purpose as spiritual disciplines are to know Christ better. Virtually anything that is a discipline may be beneficial, but if it's not based in the scripture, it's not based in the Bible, then it's not a healthy one for us as believers in Christ. Fourth characteristics. 
Uh, spiritual disciplines, is that what's found in Scripture are sufficient for knowledge, for knowing and experiencing God, and for growing us in Christ's likeness. 2 Timothy 3, 16-17 says, All Scripture is breathed out by God and profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, for the training in righteousness, that the man of God may be complete, equipped for every good work, including good works for pursuing the purpose of godliness, the good work of growing in Christ. How easy is it to forget that? Sometimes when you go, okay, I'm going to do a Bible, I'm going to have a quiet time, and I'm going to be very strong in remembering to do that. And so for 30 days, you do a Bible study for the sake of doing a Bible study. Have you gained anything from doing that? Just for the sake of doing something. There's an element underneath that is there to help us know and experience God. If the Pharisees were, were all know were real good about just going through the motions. Don't be a Pharisee is what we remind everybody. Experience God in the fullness of these disciplines. Fifth description: A spiritual discipline is that they are derived from the gospel, not divorced from the gospel. It's not like okay, I got the basics. Now I can do whatever I want. Rightly practiced, the spiritual disciplines takes us deeper into the glory of the gospel of Jesus Christ, not away from it. As though we have moved on to some advanced level of Christianity. We're all at the same level. There's one. One level only. Everything is based in our spiritual disciplines. Helps us understand the depth of the glory of Christ. The riches of his glory. Some passing grace and mercy of his, of his, the unbelievable love. And lastly, the last characteristic of the spiritual discipline is that they are a means, not the end. That end, that is, the purpose of practicing disciplines is godliness. That's the end result of all this. All these habits of right habits, of praying of giving, of serving, of scripture memorization. All that is helpful for godliness. First Timothy 4.7 says, this, this, Disciple yourself for the purpose of godliness. And we're not godly just because we practice spiritual discipline. As I said, that's the error of the Pharisees. They felt by doing these things they were more godly. No, that they were means to godliness. That should be our motive. When we stop to realize that um, it's important, one of the things that we have noticed, you, you might have noticed that in our vision statement of 2020 vision that we accepted in April that we've been working on, in the build-up pillar, this is the goal or the vision for the build-up. We are a community of faith in which each person is continuously growing in Christ. Personal mentoring, biblical teaching, and individual study fuels our growth. We are being transformed by the Holy Spirit into the hands and feet of Christ to make Him visible to our neighbors. And when you look at initiative number two, 
continuously equipping and encouraging every member of the community of faith to apply classic spiritual practices to their contemporary lives. And you go, well, what have we been doing? Well, one of the things that you have recently got was the Bible reading plan for October. November will be out next week and next Sunday for those. Three different ways to study the Bible, read the Bible for the month. Our hope is that you pick one of those so that in a year from now, you have either read the entire Bible through or you have read the New Testament or you have a better understanding of what the Scripture says. That's one of the ways, a classic simple, uh, discipline. Soon you'll be seeing this one in the next couple weeks on memorization. This is 100 verses for everybody who... 100 Bible verses everyone should know. If I were to tell you, give me Genesis 1-1. How many people would know Genesis 1-1? How about John 1-1? How about John 3-16? There are passages that Everybody should know in a heart. And as soon as you mention it, it should recall in your mind. So there's sections in the plan of salvation and joy and promises, holiness, obeying God's commandment, the Great Commission, faith. And this will be coming out. This is to help you to make sure that you're putting God's word into your life. That's a, a classic spiritual discipline. It's important. There will be others coming. Bible study. Memorization, giving, serving our others. So let's go ahead and look into our text for today. You want to turn to Jeremiah, not Jeremiah, Nehemiah, chapter 1. There are Bibles in the pews as well. So it starts here, starting in verse 4. When I heard these words, I sat down and wept and mourned for days fasting and praying before the God of heaven. I said, O Lord God of heaven, the great and awesome God who keeps covenant and steadfast love with those who love him and keep his commandments. Let your ears be attended and your eyes open to hear the prayer of your servants that I now pray before you day and night for your servants, the people of Israel, confessing the sins of the people of Israel which we have sinned against you, both I and my family have sinned. We have offended you deeply, failing to keep the commandments and the statutes and the ordinances that you commanded your servant Moses. Remember the words that you commanded your servant Moses. If you are unfaithful, I will scatter you among the people. But if you return to me and keep my commandments and do them Though you, your outcasts are under the farthest skies, I will gather them from there and bring them to the place at which I have chosen to establish my name. They are your servants and your people, whom you redeem by your great power and strong hand. O Lord, let your ears be attended to the prayer of your servants. And to the prayer of your servants who delight in revering your name. Give success to your servant today and grant him mercy in the sight of this man. He relieves the postscript at the end. and says, at this time I was the cupbearer of the king. It gives us an indication of a position that he held. Um, we'll get to that in the, as we break through this message a little bit. 
When you start in verse 4, you, you, he says, what did you hear? And you have to go back to verse 3, and it says here what the condition, he heard the conditions that were going on in Jerusalem. Uh, and we find that from Ezra chapter 4, 7 through 23. The work had stopped. The enemies were harassing the exiles that had come back to Jerusalem to rebuild the temple. Uh, in fact, uh, they, this is, will be the third group of exiles going back to Jerusalem. Um, when we look at verse 4, we stop and, and realize as he hears that, I heard these words and I sat down and wept and mourned for days, fasting and praying before the Lord. Okay, right there, there's three classic pra practices, habits. He mourned and he fasted and he prayed. When you hear the uh, news in, that come across, you respond. You're emotionally involved in that. And how do you respond? Um, a tragedy happens constantly. And how do you respond? Here in this situation, it was a tragic, tragic event for the exiles been in captivity. They've been brought back to Jerusalem. Uh, they are rebuilding the temple. They're re going to be rebuilding the wall. They are reminded constantly why God is drawing them back. For they are being drawn back because they are following God again. They were dispersed because of their sin. And we find again in Ezra 9, what was going on that has caused this? When Nehemiah shares this, he, he sat and wept. It reminds me of Daniel, his practices. If you remember Daniel, there was a decree that uh, the king put out that as soon as the, you heard the sound of the trumpet, you were to stop what you're doing, look to the big statue, fall down and worship the statue. And Daniel said, no. And we find in chapter 6, verse 10, it says this, that when Daniel learned that the decree had been published, he he went home to his upstairs room where the windows opened towards Jerusalem. Three times a day he got on his knees and prayed, gave thanks to his God, just as he'd done before. It was an ingrained uh, habit of his, just like in Jeremiah. When he was faced with tremendous news, what did he do? He sat and worshipped and prayed to God. We do the same thing when we encounter that same issue. Many times there's nothing we can do at the moment. So what do we do? We sit, we mourn, we, we, we pray to God. That's a principle that is incorporated in our lives. We realize how important that was because Jeremiah, I mean, Nehemiah is setting an example, setting us how that habit develops. When we move on to verse 5 and 6 in that passage, we see that in his prayer, he worships God. First thing out of the box, he worships God, the greatness of God. I love that passage where he says, the great and awesome God. When we realize that when we come to pray, do we rush into the presence of God, unload everything, and then sit back out before we have a chance to worship him, to hear him. Here, Jim, uh, Nehemiah has a clear understanding of the character of God. He's unhurried to come into the presence. He starts with 
adoration and praise. In verse 6 and 7, he goes into a confession that the sin that the exiles are doing is sin, but he says it's also I and my family confess the sin. He puts himself in the same boat as the exile. Even though he's not involved in that sin, he says, we have sinned against you. Psalm 68 or 66 verse 18 says this, Come and hear all who fear God. Let him tell you what he has done for me. I cried out to him with my mouth. He prayed. His praise was on my tongue. If I have cherished sin in my heart, the Lord would not have listened. But surely God has listened and heard my prayer. Praise to God who has not rejected my prayer or withhold his love for me. The reason God heard Nehemiah was that he confessed his sin. Much like Moses and Daniel and Ezra, others did the same. We are suffering because sin. Not because the Persian nation is doing this. Not because the people around Jerusalem is doing this. It's because we as Israelites are sinning. We have made that decision to sin. He focuses upon soul searching and for confession. And, un, and again, we see unfaithfulness has crept into that, cult, into that culture again. They have walked away from God. Verse 8 and 11 deals with petitions. Verse 8 says, Remember your promises, Lord. You promised you would gather us again if we were faithful. And you're doing that. Uh, since 536 B.C., he had brought the exiles back to Jerusalem. Ezra brought back a group in 558. Nehemiah would be bringing one in 455 B.C. It was the fulfillment of God's promise. He, God was faithful to them. He says, if you follow me, I will gather you again back. And he was doing that. God's promise is there based upon Deuteronomy 9.29. But they, but they are your people. Your adherents that you had brought out of your great power and outstretched arm. They knew that. They knew that God brought them to that land. They were faithful in, in that. Verse 10 says, trust in God's promises. It's a plea to activate the word summary of Moses' writings of scatter and gather. We've been chosen by God, redeemed by God, called by God. What's interesting in verse 11, he ends at the very end of that with a little postscript. It says, I'm the king's cupbearer. This is an officer in the ancient oriental courts that was always a person of rank and importance. And from the confident nature of his duties and his frequent access to the royal presence, he had great influence. He gives us a slight insight of who he is. And when you start to realize the principles and spiritual principles he was practicing in his life, God elevated him to a point of influence that would help take the third group of exiles back to Israel. And that comes because God is using him. As we move on from that, there are some principles that we can say 
that are evident in this verse, principles that will help us develop a habit of prayer. We see that we start with humility. If we're not humble before God, we lose out too much. Zephariah chapter 2 verse 3 says, Seek the Lord all all of you humble of, of the land, who you who do what he commands. Seek righteousness, seek humility. Perhaps you will be sheltered on the day of the Lord's anger. When we come into the presence of God, how do we come? Do we come with an attitude of light? I can come in here this. Or do we come with an attitude of humility, coming knowing that not based upon my merit alone, but upon Christ's merit. Upon what Christ has done has given me access to come in the Holy of Holies, the righteous presence of God, cleansed and forgiven to present my worship and my petitions before the throne. We do it in faith. You don't believe that God hears you and, and knows you, then what are you doing? Mark eleven twenty four says, Therefore I tell you what Ever you ask for in prayer, believe that you have received it and it shall be yours. When do we ask for something and not expecting to get it? What if you ask for something and you get it? How do you respond? Are you excited? Are you happy? Are you shocked that somebody actually listened? We come expecting in faith. Because it helps us as we look at number three, asking in God's perfect will. In accordance to his will, this is the confidence that we have in approaching God, that if we ask anything according to his will, he hears us, based upon 1 John 5, 14. How important is that? We know passages that says that you have not because you ask not, and if you ask wrongly, you're not going to get it. How do you ask? Do you ask for God's purpose will to be done? His purpose. Four, let's focus on others. Ephesians 6.18 And pray in the Spirit on all occasions with all kinds of prayer and requests. With this in mind, be alert and always keep on praying for all God's people. Ephesians 6.18 Look at the... the passage that we're looking at. Nehemiah comes back and says, remember your servant, but also remember other your other servants, uh, the people of Israel. We have offended you great. We have offended you. It wasn't him. It was we. He incorporates into that. It's us. All of us. And lastly, in the name of Jesus. 1 John 5.15 says, I, truly I tell you, this. Whosoever believes in me will do the works I have been doing, and they will do even greater things than these. Because I'm going to the Father, and I will I will do whatever you ask in my name, so that my Father may be glorified in the Son. You may ask for anything in my name, and I will do it. John 14, 20, 12 through 14, and it goes to 1 John 5, 15. And we know that he hears us, whatever we ask, we know that he has what we ask of him. We do it in the name of God. We do it in the name of Christ. 
And that, those are elements that you use in your prayer. When we look at a prayer again, it's always done in the name of God. Christ hadn't shown up yet in this um, time period. In our lives, he has. He has. So we come in his presence in his name. So the question will come to this. Are you praying without ceasing? First thing on first. Thessalonians 5.17 Rejoice always. Pray continuously. Give thanks in all circumstances. For this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. Do not be anxious. Yeah. Easier said than done, Lord. But in everything, in everything, by prayer and petition with thanksgiving, present your request to God, and the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts, your minds in Christ Jesus. Philippians 4, 6 and 7. Are we listening, God? When we pray and we practice these disciplines, we will better have a better understanding as he speaks to us. We'll hear his voice. We'll see his presence. We'll see his direction in our lives. When we study scripture, we understand the breadth and the width of his love. We'll understand how he moves. When we memorize scriptures in those moments of life that we struggle with, those scripture passages will come back and will encourage us and strengthen us for that challenge to resist temptation, to resist failing. Are you willing to be used by him? Our desire is to be used by God in our lives for his purpose. Are you, by praying, you open yourself up to that? Are you working on these disciplines in your life? And the question is, if you are, great. Hallelujah, keep going. A good habit is always worth it. If not, why not? Growing up as kids, we all had chores to do. There were, I got to take trash out every day. It would pile up. I would get in there and smash it down farther so I didn't have to take the trash 40 feet out to the trash can. Mom would get on me every single day. Neil, take the trash out. I was thinking, why? Why do I have to take the trash out? I didn't realize the principle behind that was she was, she was helping me to develop a good work ethic, plus to get her kitchen clean. <laughs> it took years to figure out why we had chores. Yeah, the allowance of 10 cents a week was really motivating. Um, but there was a reason why. That habit was to help me understand that I needed to put effort and work to it. Just like our prayer time. When you pray, great. When you come to corporate prayer, great. There's a reason why we're calling the church to pray. Coming in November, we're going to do a 30-day call for prayer as we lead into Christmas. More information will be coming on that. There's a reason why we have called the church into prayer before 30 days of prayer as we were praying for God's leadership in the pastor's search committee. For the leadership as we were looking at the vision God was putting upon our hearts to reach this community for Christ. We need that. We need to practice that discipline of prayer. Now, fortunately, we have a great multitude of writers. Some that are 500 years old. Some that are 20 years old. I've been heavily influenced 
by a few authors. E.M. Bounds is one that has written tremendous books on prayer. He was a pastor late 1800s, early 1900s. Brother Lawrence was a Carmenite uh, monk in a, in a um, abbey in uh, France that he wrote in six, 15th century, 16th century, a little book. Actually, he didn't write the book. He sent letters to a friend, a friend put it together in a little book called The Experiencing God, Practicing the Presence of God in Your Life. That book was fundamental. It changed my understanding of the presence of God as I pray. He was a monk. His job was clean the dishes. Every single time they had meals, his job was clean. And he learned how he used that job to practice presence, his presence in God's How he prayed, knowing that he was actually in the presence of God even as he was washing the dishes. How he learned that. I think of Richard Foster, Henry Blackman, and some others. There's a quote I want to read to you by E.M. Bounds. It says, Prayer makes a man godly and puts with him the mind of Christ, the mind of humility, of self-surrender, of service, of piety, of prayer. If we really pray, we will become more like God or else we will quit praying. Have you quit praying? I realize that praying without ceasing is a challenge. I strive that I'm there, there, not even close to where I hope to be, but my habit needs to continue developing that. Here's a quote out of the book that Ian Bounds wrote called Weapons of Prayer. It says, Nothing is more important to God than prayer and dealing with mankind. But it's likewise all important to man to pray. Failure to pray is failure along the whole line of life. It's failure of duty, of service, of spiritual progress. God must help man by prayer. He who does not pray, therefore, robs himself of God's help and places God where he cannot help man. Man must pray to God if love for God is to exist faith and hope and patience and all the strong, beautiful, vital forces of piety are withered and dead in a prayerless life. Life of the individual believer. His personal salvation and personal Christian graces have their being bloom and fruit bearing in prayer. That's a powerful reminder of how important a practice of prayer is. A practice that we do need to do every single moment. We do need to pray without ceasing. And yeah, it's hard some days to do that. But we need to pray. We need to develop that habit of regular prayer. I don't do a quiet time in the morning. I'm barely up out of bed by 7.30. To be here by 8.30. I can't do that. I'm too lazy. If I go to bed early, it doesn't matter. I'm still sleeping in. But I found that a regular prayer time for me is middle of the afternoon. We're a little bit more aware, a little bit more of what's going on in the day that I can spend some time in prayer. Corp and precipitate prayer, private prayer. Just like Bible reading, just like memorization. There are times that you work on that. 
There are other times you read a passage and boom, it sticks like glue to a wall. And it's happened countless times in my life as I read the scripture. But there are other times I have to study and memorize it word by word, just like we tell kids and teen kids to do. Where are you in this process? Let me encourage you this morning that wherever you are, if it's not where you want to be, you can start afresh. You can start anew again. Every moment you can start afresh. If, it, if you are going well and you're excited, great. Encourage and, and continue developing that. See how God works in your life for his purpose. What we're going to do is we're going to go into, instead of asking you to stand and come forward, um, we're going to have you have, stand and pray where you are. We're going to have Mark lead us in the music, and then Brian's going to come and close us out in prayer. But the important part of this entire process, develop the habit of prayer wherever you are, without ceasing for the glory of God. Let us stand as we sing.